episodes drop the last Monday. It's a man, it's a man, forgot that. It's a man, it's a man, forgot that. It's a man, it's a man, forgot that. Welcome to the Matt Forgot That podcast, the place to recollect and reminisce. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to rewatch and review a movie or TV pilot that I've seen before but don't quite remember. It could be a blockbuster, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've reviewed or suggestions for the podcast, use the hashtag MattForgotThat on social. Before we start, I am the type of person who rewatches movies and TV series. I can't tell you how many times I've seen Jaws, Jurassic Park, Alien, The Princess Bride, Clue. I could quote them in my sleep. When Seinfeld started streaming on Netflix last year, I went through the entire series, watched a couple episodes a day, and laughed like I'd never seen it before. Every night, a local station used to air Home Improvement. Four episodes, Monday through Friday. I watched it all. When they ran through the entire series and went back to season one, you guessed it, I watched it again. And over the years, I've been fortunate to have access to this content between the invention of cable television, VCRs, and home video, Blockbuster. Now we have all these streaming services and content available where we can rediscover movies and TV series you've only watched once or twice, but haven't seen in 10 to 20 years. But I've never understood even my own logic as to why certain movies just stick with you and others go by the wayside. There have been times where I screened a movie once, liked it so much, I researched all the trivia and behind the scenes, then watched it again almost immediately. That doesn't happen a lot. But there are some movies and TV series that fit the criteria of my sensibilities, but never make it into rotation. I'm a huge fan of 80s action movies. Take one of the biggest stars from that period, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I can recreate scenes from The Terminator, but couldn't tell you any major plot points of The Running Man. I mean, I've seen it, but I don't remember it. And that's not saying it's a bad movie. So the Matt Forgot That podcast is my opportunity to rewatch some of these movies and TV series and figure out if they should have stayed forgotten or are worth remembering. I thought it was apropos to start out with this movie, Total Recall, since it's the complete opposite of what I can do with it. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is skip it. Two stars watch at your own risk. Three stars standard fare. Four stars worth checking out. And five stars must see. Now if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. These are my ruminations and observations of the movie Total Recall from 1990. It was directed by Paul Verhoeven, who had a decent string of hit movies including Robocop, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship Troopers, and Hollow Man. The screenplay was written by Gary Goldman and the duo of Ron Shusett and Dan O'Bannon. This was originally conceived first but deemed too expensive to make, so the duo delayed it and wrote Alien. 
It was based on the Philip K. Dick short story, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. The cinematography was captured by Joe Sfacano, whose filmography includes The NeverEnding Story, Robocop, Untamed Heart, and was nominated for a Best Cinematography Oscar for Das Boot. It was edited by Frank J. Hirosti, who worked on Roadhouse, Tombstone, Red Sonia, and was nominated for three Academy Awards for Best Film Editing for Basic Instinct, Die Hard, and Robocop. The score was composed by the great Jerry Goldsmith, who wrote the music for Alien, Poltergeist, Star Trek, The Motion Picture, Patton, and won a Best Music Original Score Academy Award for The Omen. This is what I remember. There are three things, and it's the breasts of the alien woman. No, there are legitimately two other things. The Arnold face-melting scene. Ah, Maria, my face is falling off. And lastly, the woman's face coming apart to reveal it's actually Arnold. Now, I'm heading off to watch the movie. This is what I forgot. Douglas Quaid wakes up from a nightmare about an accident occurring on Mars. He's comforted by his wife, Lori Quaid, but there was a woman in his dreams, and it wasn't her. She asks if the brunette was there, and Douglas responds, I can't believe you're jealous of a dream, because he's not even sure who she is. The seemingly happy couple is portrayed by Arnold Schwarzenegger, who starred in The Terminator, Conan the Barbarian, The Running Man, and Kindergarten Cop. And Sharon Stone, known for Basic Instinct, Sliver, Action Jackson, and was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role for Casino. Douglas watches the morning news and they're reporting on more violence on Mars where terrorists demand independence by halting the extraction of turbinium ore. Led by a man called Quato, they claimed credit for a bombing which attempted to reopen the pyramid mines. Mars military was able to restore order, and damage was repaired promptly. Douglas proposes moving to Mars, but Lori rejects the idea due to the increased violence of the revolution. She suggests Saturn. I'm a little disappointed that there were no jokes about seeing Uranus. But he feels like he's meant for more than this life. As he takes the metro to work, he watches an ad from Recall Incorporated, where you can buy the memory of your ideal vacation without leaving the planet. After finishing a shift at his construction job and tossing the idea past his coworker Harry, he heads down to Recall Incorporated and meets Bob McLean. Douglas purchases a two-week package which includes all memories of the sites on Mars. But McLean pitches him the newest advance in travel, the Ego Trip, where you can alternate identities and roleplay as a sports hero or tycoon. Douglas is interested in being a secret agent. When they attempt to implant the memories, he has a schizoid embolism. He starts shouting about his life on Mars and not being Douglas Quaid. Dr. Lull puts him back under and tells McLean that Douglas has actually been to Mars, but he dismisses the outburst as part of the ego trip. But the doctor informs him they hadn't implanted it yet. This means that someone from the agency has erased his memory. They cover up any traces of his visit to recall and dump him in a cab. When Douglas awakens in a Johnny cab, he asks to be dropped off at the Metro where he bumps into his co-worker and is intercepted by a group of men. Harry tells him that he was there to protect him and told him not to go to recall, but since he's revealed information about his past, he has to be taken out. Douglas doesn't remember anything and says they're mixing him up with someone else. 
he ends up taking out his would-be captors in a violent sequence. When he returns home, Douglas tells his wife about the appointment with Recall and encounter with Harry, but she dismisses it as an illusion and says she's calling the doctor. But instead, she reaches out to a man called Richter. He's performed by Michael Ironside of Scanners, Top Gun, and Highlander 2 The Quickening fame. Like many of his roles, he's playing the baddie. When Douglas returns from the bathroom, he gets attacked by his wife. When he gets the upper hand, she confesses that she's not really his wife. She only met him six weeks ago, and their marriage was a memory implant. The agency erased his identity and created a new one. She was written as his wife to watch after him. Now it begs the question, Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? And if Douglas Quaid isn't him, who is he? Total Recall is a very interesting movie. It's easy to dismiss it as another Schwarzenegger action film, but it's much more elevated. The storyline is intriguing, and you are as much in the dark as Douglas Quaid is about his own life. I had zero recollection of Sharon Stone being in this movie. She played the part of a double agent really well. She was formidable in the fight scenes with Arnold, which is no easy task, and was the subject of one of the greatest movie quotes. Consider that a divorce. I'd put that up there with, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. In other casting, Dean Norris from Breaking Bad plays the part of Tony. He was in mutant makeup, so you might miss it. He would be cast with Arnold in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. The movie was pretty violent, a lot of bloodshed. I have to compliment the stunt coordinators, special effects artists, and makeup teams. The melting faces looked great. Skin peeling, eyes bulging. The mutant features due to radiation levels felt realistic. And I completely forgot about the bug removal scene. If you thought COVID tests were bad, try pulling that out of your schnoz. The film takes place in the future, but there was still familiar elements to make it feel like it's not too far in the distant future. There were clever innovations, some of which have been applied to our society today. Holograms giving lessons, robotic-driven cars, televisions on trains, video phones, implants, cloning devices, and the idea of visiting places without having to travel is the crux of virtual reality. Some of the green screen didn't age as well, but it doesn't take away from being a pretty effective movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. What I figure is when I first watched the movie, I must have been too young to understand the entire concept. I think it's clever and one of Schwarzenegger's better efforts. The runtime is 1 hour 53 minutes. It had a budget of 65 million and grossed 261 million at the box office. In 1993, there was an attempt to turn another Philip K. Dick story, Minority Report, into a Total Recall sequel to no avail. It would be made into a movie in 2002 starring Tom Cruise. A remake with Colin Farrell was released in 2012 and forgotten by 2013. I give it four and a quarter out of five stars. This one's coming back into my rotation, and it's lucky because I've had the DVD for years. If you've seen Total Recall and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattForgotThat. I'm going to end each podcast with clips that you might have forgotten. It could be movie trailers, music videos, commercials, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt Forgot That Playback. Today I'm talking about Waiting on a Star to Fall. It was a 1988 single by Boy Meets Girl, written by members and real-life partners George Merrill, The Boy, 
and Shannon Rubicam, The Girl. The song was inspired while a couple attended a Whitney Houston concert, and Shannon spotted a shooting star. It was originally offered to Whitney Houston, but producer Clive Davis felt it didn't fit her image. A demo was recorded by Belinda Carlisle for her Heaven on Earth album, but she disliked the song and didn't include it. While I'm a big fan of hers, it wasn't exactly her best effort. Think drunk frat girl at karaoke. So, the pair decided to record it themselves. It was a pretty good decision. The single shot up to number 5 on the Billboard Hot 100. The song was included in the movie Three Men and a Little Lady, and the video game Grand Theft Auto 4. While it would be the only significant hit for Boy Meets Girl, the public is probably more familiar with two other singles written by the songwriting duo, How Will I Know and I Wanna Dance With Somebody. Both would top the Billboard Hot 100 charts for the aforementioned Whitney Houston. These songs are available in the Matt Forgot That playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. That's all for this edition of Matt Forgot That. Thanks for listening to me reminisce. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions for the podcast, use the hashtag MattForgotThat on social. Head over to MattSarosky.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for the rewatch and review. The film takes place in the future, but there were still familiar elements to make it feel that it's not too far in the distant future. I suddenly became Shatner for a second. When he gets the upper hand, she confesses that he's not really his wife. Whoops. It was based on the Philip K. Dick short story, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. Wholesale. <laughs>